You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Welcome to a Scotland Euros qualification special. I'm John, and I'm joined by the only Scotland Supporters Club member to be in Serbia two weeks ago at Sky Sports reporter Luke Shanley. Luke, welcome aboard. How are you? Thanks for having me back, John. Yeah, not a problem. I was glad to have you on. Um, first of all, the first question that you ask is, how did you get um, given the gig ahead of Charles for this one? <laughs> well, we kind of... Charles used to do the Scotland games and I've been doing them recently and it's just, it was one of them that I've done the whole campaign. So I think, you know, uh, being superstitious, it was a case I've got to do it, you know, a case of uh, making sure that, uh, you know, I follow it through. I think as well, obviously I, I love myself, so I think it's easier when it comes to, you know, isolating and not, you know, being an issue to anyone else. So um, Charles is a proud father, so he's got, he's got other responsibilities, shall we say. So it was get the bachelor to go and do it, you know. He, he'll not bother anyone. Yeah, it's probably a safe move. So you get the, the um, luxury of speaking to Andy Robertson and co, and he got to interview me, my son, and Gordon Shiak. So, yeah, I don't know who you got the wrong. The show. Don't worry about that. You know, Callum did. My son Callum did, without doubt. Not so much me and Gordon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I mean, that must have been amazing being able to be picked to go to that game because there was even a doubt that you might have even been able to go at all because obviously Ian Crocker's commentating for the studio and you've got quarantine restrictions but it must be worth it It is worth it now there's no doubt sitting here you know nearly at the end of my uh, quarantine um, and self-isolation is absolutely 100% worth it and there's been some tough days but you just stick on the Sky Plus and watch it again and realise why it was worth it you know but yeah I mean you know and, and we're talking about this, and, and given that you know there weren't many there, it was a case Sky did have to go through a lot of processes in health and safety, and there was a lot of issues in which we had to make sure that everything was right. It's easy to say, oh, he was over there and whatnot, and you know Sky have just sent him over. But trust me, we had to go through a lot of different health and safety procedures. We had to check a lot of things, um, you know. And I think it all started when that Kenny McLean penalty went in. By the time I'd got back to the, the truck at Hamden, and my producer was based in London, producing from London, and I got on the phone to him and says, right, we need to be in Serbia. And at the time, you know, with all the, you know, we, we had found out in our ear when the penalties were going on that it was it was going to be Serbia, not Norway. We were all sort of gearing up for Norway, you know. Yeah. But it was Serbia, and I said, we need to be there. And, and his quote was, if we can get you there, we will get you there. And to be fair, you know, as I said, there was a lot of times where it might not have happened. 
Um, my initial plan was I had to fly to London City on Sunday after doing Motherwell Celtic and then get a, a car to um, London Luton to, to get a flight out first thing in the morning. And obviously that had its own issues. But the London uh, Luton flight to Belgrade got cancelled. So it was a case of, right, how do we get there now? And it meant going through another country, which we had to make sure we went through another set of health and safety procedures. But of course, it started to get late in the day. So it's a case of we might not be going here. And it was a bit of a worry. So, you know, and I just keep thinking, what would that have been like if we were not able to be in the stadium? You know, what sort of reaction would you have got? What, what, how would the production have totally changed? And it would have been nowhere near. It would have been about 10% as good as it was. So, you know, it was just a case of we had to go through a lot of challenges and, and we got there. And that included me and my bag going missing for three days and turning up an hour before I left to go to the stadium. So, you know, it was a shopping trip as well and within uh, that trip to, to Belgrade. So I had it all really. Yeah, I read that on your um, your piece in the Sky Sports website, which we'll put a link to for everyone else to see. So, yeah, that was that must have been um, a, a fairly um, chaotic build. I mean, it probably summed up what the night was going to be like as well. Yeah, I just thought this trip's doomed because, you know, I've been lucky enough to go on a few Scotland trips now with Sky and it's never happened. Occasionally it's happened to my cameraman um, and luckily it's never been the equipment. It's just been his clothes. But you're like, right, what do I do now? And I was with a different cameraman this time who is used to doing Formula One and he goes all around the world and he, you know, he's like, this is just second nature. This happens all the time sort of thing, you know. But whatever happened, it didn't um, the, it didn't get on the connection to Belgrade. So, yeah, that, that's left me with at least with two weeks isolation to fill out an insurance claim and put in a few complaints, let's just say. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, that you know, you, you, you go there and it's like, I've not got a bag. I've not got any toiletries. I've luckily I take a separate suit bag, so I've got you know mm-hmm. I have got some necessities that are pile in there. I'm like, oh my god, but well, what do I do? And then it's that panic. And then the, to be fair, the last thing you want to be doing is going to a shopping centre during a pandemic. And to be fair, I mean it was quite busy, but it was all masks and hand sanitizers and everything was good in that respect. But still, you don't want to be you know kind of. You have to be risk averse. So yeah, that was awful. You know, um, having to go and shopping, but uh, it was it, it just added to the story, I guess. You know, it just added to the story. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that's something that you can certainly put in your uh, tartan army tales. But I, I suppose if I was saying this missing from this trip was that you didn't get your usual bumping into the tartan army out there because obviously no one was allowed to travel, etc. Um, you know, how weird was that? Yeah, really difficult. You actually realise how much it means when you're right. On match day, usually you're up early, you're going around all the town squares, the pubs, the wherever the fans are congregating, usually go and see where a couple of the Tartan Army groups are going to maybe hand over charity checks because I always feel that that's important mm-hmm. to, to push on the telly, which, which I like doing. Um, and we did that in Cyprus and in Kazakhstan. But there was nobody. So there was nothing we could, you know, there, there was very little that we could do apart from me standing at the, you know, on, on the, in the hotel bar uh, basically, uh, without a drink in hand, um, on a, a outside, basically talking up the game. So there's only so much you can do, um, and it was a case of right, get down to the team hotel, film them going for a walk, socially distant, and um, yeah. So it was it was really really weird in that respect, and that was the thing that was absolutely missing. And I said many a time in various lives uh, during uh, the, the day and the day before, 
if fans were able to be in the stadium, regardless of how many tickets Scotland fans had, there would be probably 10,000, if not more, uh, in Belgrade. Because it's just, you know, if there was no pandemic, I just reckon that everyone would have just gone there just to be in Belgrade. You oh, yeah, right. What do you think? Do you think, do you think that's a, a right estimate? Because that's yeah. what I, I felt. I just think everyone would try and be there. Aye, aye without a doubt. Um, I know when I was... Um, I don't know if you Rory Hamilton. He says that he would have loved that whole trip, um, Serbia, um, <laughs> Israel, and uh, Slovakia. Obviously, Slovakia was first. Um, at the, at the two. Um, that, that would have been epic. Probably a big dent in his bank balance, mind you. Um, but certainly, first Serbia. He gets loads of work, so he would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep that between us. With regards to the build up, build up to the game, you know, just what was your feeling getting, um, when you were interviewing these players? But how, did it add to any confidence, or were you still, as you, um, as a normal Scotland fan, pessimistic um, after 22 years of hurt? I have to be honest, because I left on the Monday, I didn't do any of the build-up with the Scotland players. So Charles did that because they were based in Edinburgh and they weren't out, you know, like in normal time, shall we say, yeah. you know, the team maybe come out two or three days before whereas they only flew out after their last training session the day before the game. And so they got there probably just about, they arrived 24 hours basically before mm-hmm. kickoff, effectively. You All know, right. so it, it was one of those ones where I never had any dealings with the Scotland players, so I never felt a vibe around the Scotland team. So on the Tuesday, I got there the Monday, on the Tuesday I went up to interview the Serbian players, and the Serbian mm-hmm. FA were really good because they had some COVID issues, but they invited us up to the training ground. They said, we'll give you two players, we'll allow you to sit outside and interview them. So they gave me Alexander Mitrovic and Dusan Tadic. So if I had to pick any two, it would probably be those two because people know them in England. They're big names. People know them in Scotland. They've got, you know, you can interview them on various different things, plus this big game. And not only that, you know, you look at, for example, Mitrovic's comments, you know, if you kind of interpret what he said once they beat Norway, it was a case of, yeah, Scotland, here we go, you know. And, and he was he was a very engaging guy. He was happy to chat away to my cameraman and I before we started. And I was like that. You know, it wasn't a yeah. case of let's just get this done. He sat down. He was a bit dry in the interview. But, you know, one of the things I was wanting to ask him about, just as an aside, was penalties. Because at Fulham, uh, the guy, Adamola Lukman, had tried a Penenka penalty and uh, against West Ham and it just went right into the keeper's hands. And I said to him, are you back on penalties? He said, for club or country, and I said club. In retrospect, now I should have been asking about country as well, you know. And just that—that that was the kind of start of the interview, and you realise how much a theme penalties ended up having. But you know, he, he, they were given Scotland all the respect. Oh yeah, they're a good team. Um, so, so who are the key get men? And he said, oh, it's more about the Scotland as a team and all that. And you knew that they—they kind of underestimated us, and it was a case of yeah, this will be fine. Um, so when I'm sitting there, I thought. Yeah, they've got some good players. So once you were in and about their training ground, you know, I was talking to their team manager, as it's called in the continent, you know, the guy that sort of looks after the administration of mm-hmm. all the team. And he was talking about venues for training grounds because they would have been playing in Glasgow, you know. So they were talking about where they were going to go. And he was kind of mentioning about, or Croatia are going to be based in Edinburgh, but we want to be based near Glasgow. And he said, but, and then he, he did stop himself and he said, but we need to win first. So they were a bit, you know, I could tell that some of the administrators in their team were kind of realising that this wasn't going to be as easy. And I thought after that, I thought, 
this will be tough, but and I, I kid you not, John, I never really contemplated losing because I had to make all the plans with the SFA if Scotland won. The same with UEFA. It was if we win, we need to do an interview here. We need to come to the team hotel the following day. I only thought about Scotland winning. But when I got to the stadium on the day of the game, it was a case of we could actually lose this. What happens if we lose? Because I never made any plans for us losing because I just didn't see the point because ultimately it would have been pretty basic, the, the stuff we would have been doing. You know, it would have been tough to get any sort of reaction. So I only made plans for us winning. Now, that's not to say I thought we would win and that's not to say I was confident. Just my mindset was, what do we do when we win? So I don't know. I'm glad it worked out that way, put it like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, planning ahead is always a good thing. I mean, I, my personal thoughts were... I just kept, anytime I, th- I thought I was optimistic, I put my feet back down the ground. I just kept reminding myself of the heart we've had over the 22 years. So, um, you know, when you're watching the game, you're obviously in a professional capacity, but you're um, but you're obviously wanting Scotland to win. Just what was the feeling like when you're watching that game? You know, when Ryan Christie scores, you must have been bursting to jump up and down. Then when, when uh, Jovic equalised in the last minute, you must have been absolutely pick sick, you know, head and hands at that point, if you could. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, um, I'll I'll shed a bit of light on what it's sometimes like. You usually, if you're sitting in a press box, even at Hamden or even in a Scotland game, you know, you have to be absolutely professional. Luckily, when I do a lot of the Scotland games, you're usually trackside or you're away sitting yourself. And you know, I recall uh, you know some of the games where yeah, I've not jumped up, but I've clapped or stuck my arms up and sort of been delighted. And I remember in Cyprus last November, the last trip away I had. I think I think there was a few um, few army boys behind me that were not Scotland fans. Let's just say I couldn't guarantee their nationality, but I could have a good guess. And uh, when Cyprus scored, they were given it absolute big licks. And I've got no problem with that because between the other British nations, we all have banter with each other about you know our teams losing. So you've got if you give it out, you've got to take it. Absolutely fine. But when I think it was John McGinn scored the winner, I did jump up and give it yes, get in. So. When it came to this game, which is a much bigger game, I was not allowed to sit trackside because of the the issues with the COVID. So I had to sit in the, the press box, which was like it felt like a million miles away from where I had to do the interviews after the game. And just during the game, there was only four other Scottish journalists, three from the papers and one from the BBC. And kind of I turned around to the paper guys going, We'll never get a better chance. It just you just felt confident the way we were playing. Yeah. But then at half time, you're going, we've been fine here, you know, light up the cigars. This has been okay. And you just think, right, when is it going to, when are Scotland actually going to kick in and the usual hurt now going to happen? But when we scored, I thought, do I jump up here? Because it's full of, full of Serbians, all socially distant. And there was a kind of hospitality box behind me with Serbians who had annoyed me at half time by opening the window, nearly hitting me in the head and smoking. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a smoker, so I couldn't, you know, the smoke was really doing me in at that point. So I just thought, right. And when I saw my colleague to my left jumping up, I thought, yeah, I'm jumping up here. I was like, yes. Get in. <laughs> so, get, and I don't think that everyone turned around and looked at us, but I think there was that feeling of, right, this is it. We are going to do this tonight. And it got to 81 minutes and I had to make this mercy dash. It took me about four and a half minutes to get pitch side. I had to go around this massive staircase and, oh, it was just a real antiquated way of going. I mean, the staircase is so steep. I could send you a photo for for the blog mm-hmm. if you need it. It's just, it was 
just trying to work your way in and out. And even though you had the right accreditation, people wanted, you know, the Serbian guys wanted to make sure that, you know, you weren't at it in any way, which is fair enough. You've got to be safe. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got to the, the trackside position, some of the SFA guys were there. They were already because they, they had certain, you know, scarves and flags to hand out, but they didn't want to jinx it. And I'd said to my camera on, right, set up, get further forward away from this normal interview position. We'll do this all singing and dancing. And when Jovic scored, I did let out a sweary. Obviously, no microphones around. I'll admit that to you, John. Very unprofessional. Nobody heard me anyway. But um, the that was probably the first time I thought, we're going to lose this. We're not going to win now. And from that kind of hope before the game to utter confidence during the game to when Jovic scored, that's the first time I thought, we might not win this now. Oh, my God. And at extra time, I could not, I was just pacing because there was this massive running track. I was just pacing about. I couldn't watch the game because I had a poor vantage point from behind the goal. And there was a a monitor under this uh, tarpaulins uh, interview area. But I just couldn't watch it. I was just pacing going, we're not going to win this. We're not going to win this now. And it was then the positivity turned into that sort of pessimistic negativity Scotland mentality now we're not going to win this we've done it we've we've had our chance and we've found a new way of not qualifying again and before anyone says glorious failure it's not it's failure and I just started going all these sort of things and the fan took over I was like no I'm, I'm not having this but just getting to penalties you thought that was probably the best that was going to be after extra time and I thought Scotland did well in the sense that yeah. Marshall makes an excellent save and you and I have debated goalkeepers before he might have mm-hmm. to now get elevated into my top five um, mm-hmm. but just that right well we've got a chance again you know here we go again you know and we, we would deserve it because we've played so well during the 90s so and then it came to penalties like well, here we go yeah, the, the, pen, the penalties themselves I mean I watched the first couple as normal but then when Scott may told me because of the error he made um, I've started watching that through my fingers and then when McBurney again someone much maligned I'm like desperate from score but I couldn't really watch then McKenna McLean came out the same way when Marsh when it came to the Mitchell feeling I don't know what it was I just had the feeling Marshall saving this I had a really good feeling he was saving that what was your um, view when you were watching the penalty kicks unfold well I was behind that goal so mm-hmm. there was this advertising board around it so anything that massive that <laughs> yeah and it was so anything that didn't go high I couldn't see so I'm having to look at the reaction of the players to know that it's gone in and uh, I did try and turn around and watch the monitor but it was a bit far away and I didn't want to be that kind of far back so I was kind of watching I wasn't taking any videos or photos or any of that it was I hadn't really taken any notes and I always take notes during a game but I hadn't taken any during extra time so I'd sort of written my notes out for penalties and it was funny I was tidying up the other day going I look back at the notes of which I've got Hicks for every penalty and then the Mitrovic one was left because I was obviously jumping about at that point but just going through the penalties you know Marshall went the right way I think of three of the five I think Tadic speaking to Stevie Woods and David Marshall afterwards uh, the following day I think Tadic was the only one they weren't really sure of where it was going because they had done their research with everyone else and they tended to go that way whereas Tadic mixed it up a bit so Tadic scores the first one, he went high, and that was just the one that they, they sort of had to guess. But the Scotland penalties were excellent. They were so good. And and I, not so much McTominay, but certainly when McBurney went up, I thought, oh, my God, here we go. And because Marshall had been close, I thought, oh, 
we're going to miss one of the last penalties. Marshall had been close. Here we go. But when McLean's one went in, you're thinking, well, it's effectively sudden death already. And, you know, when I saw Mitrovic, I didn't think about speaking to him about penalties previously. I just thought, right, this is it. And again, I didn't see the ball because of this barrier. But when he saved it, it was just bedlam after that. I have to admit, it was bedlam. Excellent. No, that must have been a, a great view, albeit obscured by the board. But um, to see David Marshall um, check with the referee, is it okay? And then run away. It's just a, it's just like, oh, and then you pull David Marshall in for an interview, um, and then you, and then he says, I'd rather be with him. Says, and then you say, on you go. I think that's brilliant. And then the Ryan Christie interview, you know, that's iconic now. Um, you know, just the emotion. He just summed up everything. I mean, that was just TV gold. Yeah, I, I mean, just on the penalties. I never realised David Marshall going to check the ref- with the referee, I have to say. Oh, did you I was know? running about. I genuinely, <laughs> John, honestly, so unprofessional, but, but and there is a video of me going mental that I kind of got in the camera's way I've by mistake. <laughs> although the camera wasn't necessarily there. It was set up for an interview. It wasn't necessarily filming reaction, although it did get a bit of reaction. Um, but we had made sure that we were closer to the pitch to grab those players. Um, and when he saved the penalty... I just ran forward and I started running. I thought, I need to turn around because I'm getting closer to the pitch. But I slipped and nearly fell into a steeplechase pit uh, because it had been raining. Certainly first half, it had gone off second half in extra time. And I turned around and the SFA guys were jumping about, but they were all in the bubble, so I couldn't jump with them. So I ended up, you see me running past the camera. But and I, and I did put in my article the phrase, he didn't know whether to laugh or cry. That was me. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry, so I let out this uh, scream. You know, it was like this daft scream of, I don't know what's going on here. And then I ran back to the tent to put my notes down and whatnot, and I could see all the Serbs really obviously gutted as we would have been. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to noise them up, but I just, I couldn't stop laughing. And then it was like, I'm going to cry here. And the, uh, the emotion welled up, and it was like, oh, right, we need to get an interview, quick. And then you're trying to shout and you can't go too close. And you're saying, like, just get me somebody. And they're like, who? And I said, anyone. And I went, no, David Marshall, get me Marshall. Uh, now, the thing is, and again, to, to, without getting too technical, but I will probably get technical here. With When you go to an away game, UEFA provide you with an interview camera. But that camera only comes up and is switched on five minutes after the final whistle because they need to feed in some replays and some yeah. shots to all the broadcasters who are rights holders, including Sky. So that camera is only available then. And that was part of the planning. I thought if Scotland win, we need reaction right away. So I had my Sky Sports News camera there. And nowadays you don't need a satellite truck or whatnot. There's a kind of box uh, with 4G SIM cards in it that you can broadcast live. And that's what we're doing for all the build-up in the hotel and around the city. So it's a case of make sure that camera was there ready just in case and we'll move it away from all the other cameras and we'll get people so it's a case of David Marshall in you come and yeah it's just about judging the mood John I could tell he wanted to be there and not only that there wasn't a lap of honour to be done so the players weren't going to hang around so I think he wanted to be a part of the moment so for me it was a case of right we'll get you later on and he did come back later on although I don't think we we ran the interview but it was a case of we'll get you later on and he talked about later on about the weight and all that and again that's probably where I failed in the sense that 
I never realised that he waited until he told me in the second interview because I was too busy jumping about myself. But the Christie one, yeah, you I mean, taken aback by that. But what was that? What the? Are you taken aback by that? His reaction. Christie or Christie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, when I saw him, he was walking off and he was going to go up the tunnel. Unbeknownst to me, he was selected for drugs testing at that point. And UEFA are saying, oh, the camera is just about switched on, but there was a lot of Serbians in the interview position. So I said, let's just get them now and make sure. I said, Ryan, and getting to know Ryan a bit through Inverness and Celtic and whatnot was a case of, right, he, he decided to come over, which helped that sort of relationship. But when I saw his eyes, I had to kind of turn away because I had to compose myself. But to be fair to the lad, he kind of made it easy for me because he was just himself. You didn't have to try and get anything out of him because he wanted to be himself. And I said it the following day when I was live at the team hotel. So often nowadays, sports men and women want to be all PR driven. It's all about the message they give or they try and tell you how to live your life or what, whatever it is. You know, they're, you know, they're, everyone's on a crusade just now, good and bad. You know, I'm not having a yeah. go at that. But, you know, there's always an ulterior motive sort of thing nowadays sometimes when you deal with people like that. Whereas with Ryan, he was just himself a lad from the Highlands, achieved probably one of his dreams, something that he probably doesn't remember Scotland at France 98, you know, but yeah. there he is absolutely pouring his heart out because he was. that was what it meant to him and that's what international football meant to him. Now, you go and speak to any of our brethren that go and watch all the Scotland games, that's what we want to see in a Scotland player. Now, people show it in different ways, so that's not to say that because other people weren't crying, they don't care or they don't care as much. I think, you know, people are all different, but I just thought he just summed up what it was all about. And he certainly summed it up for me because that's how I yeah. felt. So, you know, it was great. And it was afterwards, the guys at the SFA were saying, he kept composing himself mid-answer and then he kept asking him another question. It was only three questions, but <laughs> then he, he kind of let himself go again. And, oh, he was just, he, he was just gone, as he said, but it was great to see, you know. Yeah, I got a lot of, a lot of feedback after that interview, but there's nothing to do with me. He was the star of the show, you know, and it was it was just it was just really nice. It was just really nice to get somebody on that just showed he cared, you know, and wasn't scared to put his feelings, you know, out there. He's had a lot of pelters for it since because Scott Brown told us that at the press <laughs> conference that we did with Celtic the other day ago, you know, he was having a laugh about it. But you know, fair play to him. It, it was great. It was it was just it was really nice. Um and then you, you kind of compare that to Lyndon Dykes, who were in the interview position later on, and he just had this big Cheshire cat smile that you couldn't take off his face. He just, it was like he was about to laugh because I don't think he could believe what he's achieved, certainly after only what, six caps or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why I said to him right at the start, this international football uh, for Scotland's easy, isn't it? You know, and he kind of laughed. He said, like, I don't know about that, but, you know, ultimately he's got the, he's timed his run well, put like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And the, the thing is, what these interviews showed, um, despite some perception, these these guys really cared. I mean, you, you summed up when you're talking about Chris there. You could tell what it meant to the guys. You you saw in the in the changing room after the, the dance at um, Weekend Boogie, the team hotel when they're doing the Marshall Conga. And, you know, this really you, you get the impression this really means something to these group of players, and they're not just it's not just about ticking boxes for international football. 
Yeah, because you look at um, you know they you know a lot of the players play with different teams. You know, every two two years you'll have you know if it's European teammates, then they'll be at a Euros or a World Cup more often than not. You know, and they they sit there probably have to go away on holiday or sit and watch it. You know, and that's just become a habit. You know, a, a, a major tournament's just us watching it in the summer. You know, whereas it used to be us being there. So you've got a generation of players. If you're under, I don't know, 28, 30, do you really have a vivid memory of Scotland at a tournament? Probably not. Um, and I said to David Marshall, I said, David, take this the right way. This is in the second interview that we did. Take this the right way, David, but you're probably one of the few members of the, the team that played. I know Craig Gordon's there as well, but that actually remember France 98. And he said, yeah, I remember it. You know, and he said, uh, that's the thing. He said, he said, deep down, I knew this was probably my last chance to get to a tournament. You know, and boy, I mean, he delivered, you know, that's saving the extra time. But for the rest of them now, hopefully this is the start of something. I think World Cups will always be tough for us because of the limited amount of teams that get in now. Whereas the Euros, for me, should be, we should be getting to what, every two, two and every three now, you know, just with the... With the amount of teams that get in and the other ways of getting in, you know, we, we should be making that a regular thing to get to the Euros. And I don't think that's pushing it. I think that's fair. I mean, by 24 team Euros, I mean, I think the World Cup's going to 48 teams in a few years. I don't know how many Europeans get in. That's that's another thing, but we'll worry about that in 2026. Um, it's all about 2020 now. Um, so whilst I know Sky don't have rights to um, show the, the live games, no doubt Sky Sports News will have people down there. From your point of view, how much do you want to make that make, um, have a mixture of business and pleasure that you can do the interviews and then go in the ground with your tartan army with your, with your Scotland shirt on, your kilt on or whatever it is and go to the games at Wembley and them in Hamden? Yeah, I don't know what the plans are yet because Sky will go bigger in it and they'll probably go bigger the fact that you know there's a lot of games in Britain uh, and a lot of the big games, certainly in London, you've got the England against Scotland and then you've got the two semi-finals, the final, so you'll have the other England games, but there's two games in Glasgow. So when we forget that there's two Scotland games in Glasgow, but you're also going to have Czech Republic, Croatia, which could have an impact on who qualifies as well. So, you know, there will be a lot to cover. And this is where you go, do I want to just fire my holidays in and go to the games? Because, you know, it's like, right, or do I, uh, yeah, like you say, business and pleasure, because you'll get in and you'll get to see a different side of it. And let's be honest, might never get another chance to work at a major tournament. We don't know, you know, because of venues. Am I going to get sent to Qatar? Probably not. You know, um, Germany in 2024, you know, don't know. I might be too old to be on the telly then, too fat in the face, you know. So uh, that's the thing, you know. So it's, it's a case uh, they, they might not use it. So you're thinking, yeah, this is probably a good chance. And, and I live in Glasgow now. So and I've lived in Glasgow, what, seven and a half years. So, you know, it's relatively easy to get there, you know, um, to Hamden, uh, you know, and it's... Uh, you know, it's on your doorstep. And, and Sky didn't have the rights to the Commonwealth Games, but they absolutely covered it big time. And, you know, I think a lot of the organisations at the Commonwealth Games saw the benefit of, um, you know, getting their sports stars out on Sky because, you know, there was a lot of sports that got coverage that didn't normally get coverage. So access was a lot easier, even without the rights. Football is different, of course. So, and, and it, is the, it is a bit of a shame that I've been there, you know, from the Nations League campaign, Albania, Israel, you know, then the qualifiers, Kazakhstan, San Marino, Belgium, Russia, Cyprus. So I've done the whole lot. So it is a bit, you know, you want to make sure you see it through. You know, we've got there, Serbia, of course, as well. So you want to see it through. You want to make sure you're there, um, you know, and sort of, 
you know, see the job through, shall we say. So one way or the other, I'll hopefully be there. And you know what? At this stage, I think either or would just be lucky to be there, you know. So, yeah, but just yeah. having been in and amongst it, John, then, you know, you do want to be in and amongst it again. And, and that's always the thing, you know, you, you basically have to hand over the bat to other broadcasters now. And that, that's fair enough. You know, they're listed sports, so you want to get out to the masses, which is fair enough. But, you know, we, we've been there. We, we have covered it. And it, certainly I have. You know, I've, I've done it as a, as a fan and a, a journalist or a broadcaster all the way through the campaign. So it's been some story. It's been, maybe I'll write a book about it one day. <laughs> I think it would get in well. Um, one, one guy I'm delighted for is Ian Crocker because he's obviously had to um, put up with the stick of um, being Scotland commentator for 22 years. We've not qualified in that time. He's a jinx. So um, I made the point of tweeting to say that um, I'm, I'm delighted for him. The jinx, the, jinx of, the curse of Crocker is over. Um, a final question, Luke. Um, the, there's obviously going to be a song um, one way or another. If you were to pick an artist to write the Scotland Year 2020 song, who would it be and why? Oh, well, that's a good question. I don't know, you know, I mean, it can't be Delamitri this time because, you know, we're already at home, so we can't come home too soon. So uh, I don't know, and because it's been that long since we've needed to do one, it's kind of tastes and trends have moved on, you know. Do we want some sort of quirky one or do we want a kind of serious type one? I honestly don't know, and it is a good question, um, you know, but we need to get Croxy's commentary on it one way or the other yes. in the background, you know, a bit like... Uh, a bit like one big um, yes. You know, yeah, that's it, something like that, you know, uh, and, and we'll need to get Crocs involved. And, and as you said, um, you know, just to jump back there, I did text him after the game saying, I'm really delighted for you and Davey because you guys have done the distance, you know. I think the only time that... We came close previously, if you take away the, the Netherlands playoff, the, the 2007 campaign where yes. Crocs was with another broadcaster now defunct. So it was Bill mm -hmm. Leslie that got all the, the glamour sure. then, although Ian says he did all the games for the World Feed, so he was still mm -hmm. involved in some form. But, you know, way back, you know, I said to him, I said, do you remember the first game you know, that you did? And he remembers it was at Tynecastle. Uh, Estonia, I think it was Jim Layton's last game, and, and he was with um, Alan Brazil, was the co-commentator back then, mm -hmm. and Davey was doing my job doing the track side, so you know, back then, but the, it has been a long journey, and it's been kind of watching Scotland draw, lose, or draw, you know, so, um, you know, I was really pleased for him, and he phoned me where I was in, uh, let's just say that the minibar was getting uh, raided when he phoned me, because we couldn't go anywhere, everyone was shut in uh, Belgrade, you know, and rightly so, because there's the, the pandemic, so yeah. Yeah, the minibar was getting kind of reviewed, and uh, <laughs> he gave me a call, and he was just, he was so delighted, you know, and I, get, I really get annoyed when people think he, he oh, because he, he's, he's English, he was brought up in England, he doesn't care. Absolute nonsense. He was giving it, we've done it. And I said, what do you mean, we? I said, you were born in Dorset, you know? And he said, no, no, it's we. And he now lives in uh, in Scotland, you know? And it's like, no, very much we. He said, it, it's the end of one journey, you know? So the beginning of another for him that he's, he's finally been able to do it. He wrote a book a couple of years ago and he said, as a, you know, as a neutral, he would love to see Hibs winning the Scottish Cup because, you know, it was always that. You know, he commentated on so many finals that they were in. Uh, and he always wanted to see Scotland qualify. So he's done both, you know, now. So he's, mm -hmm. I said, you're going to need to write a new chapter of your book, you know. Well, yeah. What do you want to see now, you know? So these sort of things, things you never thought you would see, 
he's now uh, he's now witnessed and been able to commentate on, and probably the same for me as a reporter. So, you know, that's been really good. Um, but as, to get back to your question, sorry, straight back there. Um, I don't know. I mean, we've got a lot of good songwriters just now, but I, again, I think it de- depends. Do we want to go down that quirky, sort of daft thing, or do we want to kind of go a bit highbrow and serious and you know have a ballad? I don't know. So, uh, that's. I'll, I'll maybe defer to people better qualified to, to answer that one, John. Sorry for trying to get out of that. Oh, that's okay. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to suggest that Crocker could um, do the song. That would be that would be an exclusive. <laughs> well, I'll give I will give you a wee exclusive. I'll not like me for saying Ian Crocker is a massive fan of musicals, Les Mis and all that. He loves that. Les Mis, sorry, he <laughs> absolutely loves all these musicals. So you never know. Hidden to things you don't expect. You know, he, he goes to theatre quite a bit, obviously not just now. So, you know, maybe Crocs is a man. Maybe maybe he can do it, you know, under a pen name, maybe, you know. I never know, he might have a hidden talent there somewhere. But listen, um, thanks so much for your time, Luke. Um, no, that was... Um... Great. We're we're also very very jealous of you being out there, um, and let's hope, hope hopefully you get um, we, we can all be at Hamden and Wembley, and we'll, and I'll see you at Wembley for a pint. See you there, John. Cheers. <laughs> Take care.